You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Podcast to be named later. I am Chris Willis, and I am joined again by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, uh, we had a Twitter user today reach out to us that just nailed a duplication of our uh, intro that I guess we've been doing now fifty two episodes, and uh, I thought it was pretty hilarious. So shout out to William. I should have got him to come on and and do this in open, but uh, you know I thought that was pretty cool. I think he pretty much nailed my voice. Yeah, that was awesome. He. Uh... I didn't. I guess I didn't really realize that we kind of do the same intro every time. I don't even think about it, but um, yeah, we've done it fifty plus times now. So I guess people, you know, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So I thought he, yeah, like you said, I thought he nailed your voice. Um, I didn't really think, you know, I guess I talked to you so much, I don't really think you have like a, a style. But he started talking. I was like, damn, that's that's Chris. <laughs> he got it. So yeah, shout out to him. That was hilarious. Yeah, um, I, I think I've got a, a voice made for blogging uh, more than podcasting. <laughs> but just to be honest, uh, you know, before we started doing this show, I had very little podcast experience. Uh, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a, a host by any means. I do feel like we've kind of gotten better as it went on. But shout out to William uh, because that was that was great and gave me a good laugh this afternoon. I need him to do Scott. I need him to do Scott and Brad and Sean. No, we need the whole, you know, we need the whole roster. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, we've got some, uh, we've got some brave stuff to get to this, uh, this week. Uh, you know, they, they coming off a sweep of the Yankees. It seemed like the world was ending last week, uh, but they've righted the ship and um, are playing well again. 78 and 42. They've got a 12 and a half game lead over the Phillies. They've won eight of 10. They own New York, uh, the state whole the whole state of New York. Now, they're thirty six games over five hundred, and that's a season high, which is, you know, pretty pretty um, significant when you consider just uh, you know how, how kind of how rough that uh, road trip got off to you know, but uh, playing good again, and uh, you know, it's 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 all it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, it, you know, it was a weird trip, Braves probably played some of their worst baseball in a while, you know, in kind of that three games between the Cubs series and the Pirates series. Um, you know, the pitching specifically, the starting pitching just went, it just went AWOL for about a week and it was the whole rotation all at once. And then, you know, there's no remedy like playing a bad team and the Braves went up to New York and played the Mets and just dog walked them for three games and very easily could have won all four games there. You know, the, the Braves are, still throwing out Yanni Chirinos every fifth day. And so that's given the other team a fighting chance. But, you know, if the Braves had one of their normal starters out there, that, that probably would have been a sweep. And then, yeah, they come home and 
it's always fun to play the Yankees, even though the Yankees suck this year. And this is one of the worst Yankees teams I can remember, especially offensively. But it's still the Yankees. And I was at one of those games. And the Yankees travel, man. They got so many fans that it's, you know, they're very much like the Braves and they're a national brand. And they've got fans everywhere. And so when they come to town, there's Yankees fans everywhere. And yeah, they came to Atlanta and, and got their butts handed to them for three games. And, you know, yeah, the Braves really dominated the city of New York in the last six or seven days. So, yeah, it was really good to see the Braves are 8-2 and two in the last 10 after that, you know, shaky shaky kind of part of the schedule on that road trip. And, uh, yeah, looked like the team that we saw all of June and for most of the year, honestly. So it's been good to see. And like you said, there is as much over 500 as they've been at any point in the season right now. So um, it doesn't feel like it at all, all the time. It feels like the team is kind of – you know, slept walk through some of the second half, but you look up and they're two wins away from 80 and it's, we're not even to, you know, we're, we're in the middle of August and they're almost at 80 wins. So that's, you know, they're on pace for 105, 106 wins. And yeah, it's good to see them playing well again though. It's always interesting too. You know, I mean, you kind of get spoiled, especially I kind of got that way in June because you just didn't expect them to ever lose, you know, and you were kind of shocked when they did. And, uh, you know, it's it's easier to remember those 42 losses than it is those 78 wins, but you got to keep perspective. I think the biggest thing jumped out in this Yankees series with number one was just how under undermanned that Yankees roster was. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, the Braves went into Pittsburgh, you know, and I don't think enough people credited the way the Pirates played. It was always, you know, it was always, oh, man, the Braves are playing terrible. But I thought that Pirates team played pretty good that night. You know, they weren't. You know, they, if you compare the Pirates series to the Mets series, it was like the Mets had given up before that series even started. Uh, really, yeah. really, that's the way it felt. But that Pirates team is like they're all a bunch of young kids and they don't know any better. You know, and and that's really the way. It, when you look back at it, that's kind of the way it it felt to me because they just, you know, they just went out there and grinded through at bats and and really gave Atlanta a lot of trouble. But um, you know, since that blip, you know, where the rotation was a mess, guys have rediscovered their form. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people, if you want to be, if you want to be negative, you're going to point out that the Yankees just aren't, don't have a really good lineup, but you know, at this point, you know, you, you, all you can really do is ask your pitchers to go out and execute. And I thought the Braves did that throughout this Yankee series, Max Freed, six innings, Bryce Elder, seven innings, one hit, three walks. Um, you know, that was, that was big. He really needed that start. And then Charlie Morton, you know, ten strikeouts, six uh, shutout innings. Um, you know, coming off of a of a seven walk performance against the Mets. So, you know, it was. I, I thought the pitching was really good, and uh, you know, for Morton in particular, the ten strikeouts and only one walk that was that was key because if you look at him over his last five starts before that, you know, he had twenty two walks in twenty four and two thirds innings, and and just twenty one strikeouts over that span. And I mean, that's just not. That's not the Charlie Morton we know, but I thought he um, he in particular reminded everybody just how good he could be, you know, as a postseason pitcher or, you know, down the stretch, I mean, when he's really locked in. Yeah, I mean, it's all about, you know, for Charlie, it seems like it's just been all about how he, how well he's feeling his pitches on any given start. He's talked at, at length multiple times after the end of these starts where he's walking five or six guys, how he just can't get a feel for the baseball and he has no idea where it's going and you know, and then he comes out against the Yankees and, and that curveball looks like, you know, it did five years ago where it was the best you know, probably the best pitch in baseball. And at times this year it's been the best pitch in baseball. He gets so many swings and misses on that curveball. 
because you know he can dot it at the bottom of the zone and then he can throw it again two feet below the zone and then he can throw it you know in the dirt and you know if he, if he can command it then he gets got you know he had a he had a sequence against Aaron Judge where he just made Aaron Judge look like a fool he threw him three straight curveballs and swung and missed at all three of them and you know Aaron Judge has got a thousand OPS this year I mean that's you know that's the equivalent of making of somebody making Ronnie look like that um, but that's what Charlie, you know, when that curveball is on, that's what he can do. And so, yeah, it was, it was good to see. It was good to see, you know, him get back to that. Um, like he was kind of in the first half of the year. Um, I'm sure he enjoyed it. I'm sure it was good for him to get, you know, some confidence again, you know, athletes, even professional athletes, regardless of how much success they have, you know, even they, you know, they start questioning exactly what they can do. So, um, I'm sure it was good for him to get that that started against the Yankees, and it's huge for the Braves because, like you said, you know Kyle Wright's still not back. We're going to talk about Kyle a little bit later, but you know as it stands right now, Charlie Morton's the third best pitcher on this team, which means he's in a playoff series no matter what. I don't care how many off days there are; he's still going to pitch. So um, the Braves need him to be good, and he was really, really good. Listen, you said it, the Yankees' offense is not good. I mean, it's this is as bad a Yankees offense as I've seen in maybe my entire life, um, but. Still, the Pirates weren't good either, and he didn't have a good start against them. So it was really good to see, and hopefully it's kind of a sign of things to come as we get into September and then obviously into October. You know, the Mets lineup's not good either, but he walked seven guys in that start uh, up at uh, City Field. So, I mean, you know, that, that was what I kept saying. I kind of kept saying on Twitter, you know, I see the I see them executing. They see them throwing strikes, see them getting ahead in the count. And, uh, you know, I think that's – to me, that's the key, you know, as far yeah. as that goes. And, you know, Bryce Elder is same same thing. You know, again, this lineup's not great, but he did walk three guys, but he went seven innings. The ground balls, you know, he was getting the ground ball outs again. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think Max Freed uh, – Max Freed probably didn't pitch as well as Elder or Morton did, but Max Freed did what he does, and that's just induce a ton of soft contact. And, uh, you know, only two strikeouts, but I think he's uh, – you know, I think he's still just working his way back – and, and getting a feel for it. But, I mean, you can kind of see just how important Freed's going to be for this team. I mean, for any postseason hopes that they've got, you know, they need Freed. Freed's got to be that guy. He, he and Strider have got to, uh, you know, to be the solid one-two punch. But, you know, I just don't think it works really without Freed. And, you know, I think they were confident they were going to get him back, and they, I think they're very confident that he's going to round into form, you know, as they head into the postseason. Yeah, and, th- you know, this is – it doesn't matter how good of an offense you have, and the Braves have maybe the greatest offense of all time. You're gonna when you get in the postseason, you're gonna play a three to two game at some point, or you're gonna play multiple of them. You know the Braves in 2021, the Braves, you know, after they acquired all those guys at the deadline, and you know, kind of the second half, they're they were on fire offensively. They were scoring a ton of runs, and then they got in that Milwaukee series in the NLDS, and the first game was two to one, and they lost. And the next game was like three to two or four to two and they won like those are the kind of games that you play in the postseason and so it doesn't matter how good your offense is to a certain extent you still need your pitchers to be great because you got to be able to win low scoring games when the other team is only throwing their best pitchers which is what every team does in the postseason you get the top three starters and you get the top five relievers and that's pretty much it that's all you get in the postseason you got to beat those guys and it leads to a lot of low scoring games and so, you know, even with a great offense, even with maybe the best offense any of us have ever seen, the Braves are going to have to win a couple of low-scoring games in the postseason. And that means, you know, like you said, Max Freed, 
Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, those guys play a crucial role in any kind of postseason run is going to be dictated on how well those guys pitch. And we saw it last year in the postseason when when Max and Strider were not right, when they weren't healthy and, you know, coming off an injury or sick, you know, the Bears got bounced in round one quickly. It wasn't it wasn't even really that competitive of a series, even with a really good offense that they had last year. Um, you know, you gotta be able to pitch. And so I agree with you hundred percent that, you know, the Braves are gonna go as far as Max Fried and Spencer Strider take them. It seems also like we – I don't want to gloss over the offense just because in this series just because of how good they were, but I do want to call out a couple of guys that were struggling, honestly, coming in. Eddie Rosario is 4 for 10 with a double and two homers in this series, drove in six runs, scored four runs. Marcelo Zuna was 5 for 7. I had to double-check that. He was 5 for 7 with three walks. Two doubles, a homer, five runs scored. Did not strike out in the series. I thought that was pretty significant too. You know, these we've said this all along. I mean, in June, both of these guys was hitting, and the Braves were nearly unbeatable. They've kind of they've been kind of in a slumber uh, since then. Rosario, this little outburst got Rosario back to a hundred weighted runs created plus for the season. He's back to perfectly league average. But you know, it's a it's a scary proposition. If uh, for this, when this lineup's go rolling, and then they get Rosario, something out of Rosario and Ozuna, you know, it's a, it's really a scary uh, proposition. And um, you know, Brian Snickers kind of adjusted the lineup of late. He's dropped uh, Sean Murphy and Travis Darno down to the seventh spot, and Ozuna and Rosario, have, you know, they've made it work. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's a long term solution, but you know, when when they get hot, though, and I think that's the thing. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people are down on Rosario. Uh, Mike Petriello had a great article about the Braves offense the other day and pointed out that, you know, when you're that good, Eddie Rosario being a 90 something weighted runs created plus hitter uh, is fine, you know, and I think it is fine. Um, but, you know, Rosario's always been this guy that gets ice cold or scorching hot. And it just so happened in that 2021 uh, run at the end, we got the, the scorching hot version of Eddie Rosario. And I just think that's who he is. And, I mean, almost it's almost the same thing with Ozuna right now. Is I mean, we've seen how cold he can be, and, and you, you've seen how much he can heat up. But uh, what do you think about uh, the way they hit, the way they swung the bat in this series? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we've talked about it all year, about how much more depth this lineup has. And the catchers have been in a little bit of a funk, um, both Murphy and Darnell. Although Murphy's been coming out of a little bit lately, but Murphy's been hit. Like he's, I feel like he's been hit with a pitch or hit by a bat or hit by a ball. Like every, you know, two innings he's, he's hit. So he hasn't been playing as much. Darno. it's been about a 50, 50 split lately, but yeah, the catchers have been slumping a little bit. And so, like you said, Ozuna and Rosario got bumped up. And the weird thing about Ozuna and Rosario is, is obviously they're both extremely streaky players as streaky players as you'll ever see. But I feel like all year they've been streaky together. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like at the exact same time they've been hot or the exact same time they've been cold. And like, they only, they only move, you know, in sync. Like they only go up and down together. So, you know, that part's been, I don't really have an explanation for that part. Um, but yeah, when they're both going and they're both threats and, you know, Rosario had some big hits in the last couple of games. Ozuna had that massive three run homer against Severino. When they hit like that, it's a whole different lineup. And it's terrifying how streaky they are because, you know, obviously the 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 last tournament of the year for baseball is is nothing but small sample and so if you get a bad if you get a bad series out of both of these guys at the same time, you can really pay for it, but if you get a good series, if you get a hot series, then the other team doesn't really have a chance. So, you know, it's it it is 
terrifying. It's it's. I, I wish they were a little less streaky. I wish, I wish there was a little more consistency there. But you can't you know you can't get too greedy when those guys are probably you know depending on who's in the lineup with Ozzy and and other guys they're probably closer to the bottom of the order than the top in terms of talent level. So um, yeah, it's good to see and hopefully it continues and and. More importantly, I, I hope this is the version we get in October because that's really going to obviously make the most difference. But yeah, when they swing the bat, when they're both swinging the bat well, it's a it's almost an impossible lineup to pitch to. It's also very important because it, you, as we've seen uh, of late, you know teams are going to stop pitching to Matt Olson as long as he he continues to to rake at the rate that he is. You know, I think that's the one thing that could really you know, derail him on, on putting up historic. I mean, he's already going to have a historic season. I mean, he should shatter, break the franchise record for homers in a season. But at the same time, you know, every chance teams are going to start walking him. And, um, you know, it's going to be up to the catchers and Ozuna and Eddie Rosario to make them pay, you know, when they do that. So, uh, you know, we've already seen it a bunch. I think he's been he's been more intentionally walked more, I think, over the last – two or three weeks then you know i can remember a braves player in a long time uh as far as that goes he has, he, he has a 23 percent walk rate in august 23 percent, which is absurd i mean like for the season he's at like 14 percent, right but in been in august in the last two weeks like you said when he's just been unbelievably hot and murphy and some guys behind him have been kind of cold yeah he's at 23 percent. so yeah to your point He's at a 23% walk rate and a 13% strikeout rate in August. Yeah, so, I mean, those guys behind him in the order, they're they're very important. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, the opposing managers right now, I mean, this lineup's scary all the way through, but you're like, uh, we're going to make somebody other than Matt Olson beat us. And, uh, you know, there, other guys are going to have to step up because that's just, uh, you know, that's just, that's just part of it. So, uh, but good, good to see them swinging the bat better because, you know, it's, it hadn't got, just completely terrible uh but you know it wasn't nowhere anywhere near to the level that we saw in june and you just need it is funny how both of them do seem to start hitting at the same time and then they'll start not hitting at the same time too but uh you know just need those guys to be as consistent as they possibly can another guy we wanted to call out here before we before we move on um pierce johnson uh reliever sam sam peebles wrote a good article on the site this week if you haven't read that go check it out but everybody a lot of people looked at that era that pierce johnson had at the trade deadline and thought you know uh can't we go out and get more uh but all he's done is got out of Coors field and he's come in and he's looked like the guy that we'd seen earlier in his career uh he's got a hasn't given up a run uh in 10 and a third innings had two appearances in this yankee series allowed two hits and uh, threw three scoreless innings. I mean, what can you say? I mean, you know, the Braves, they Braves do this all. It seems like they do this every year just about, but they go out and get a reliever that, you know, might not have been top shelf for another team. And, you know, they come in here and they just, uh, you know, they just fit seamlessly into that bullpen. Yeah, Alex is a master at it. I mean, we've kind of, you know, we should probably just expect it at this point. But, you know, he – He's the master at finding value, you know, with a six-something ERA and playing in Colorado. You know, the Rockies weren't going to be too crazy in their asking price. Um, other teams weren't going to be too crazy in, in trying to go get him out from under you. You know, there was just a ton of value there. But, yeah, I mean, he's, his stuff is plus. I mean, we've seen that. He's got nasty, nasty stuff. He's got like a 34% strikeout rate since coming over to a 7% walk rate. Um, so a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of walks. 
It's led to a 1.6 FIP. He hasn't allowed an earned run yet. I think some people got confused because of that game in Boston where I think the go-ahead run scored when he was on the mound, but that wasn't his runner. That was an inherited runner. So he's still got a 0-0 ERA for his time in Atlanta. And yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been huge because the Braves are without Nick Anderson. They've been without Jesse Chavez for a long time. They're still without Dylan Lee. A.J. Minter is, you know, he hasn't been back that long. He was hurt for a while. I mean, the Braves needed, they needed some depth at that bullpen. And we're talking about Pierce Johnson, but, you know, not, while we're doing it, we need to shout out Joe Jimenez, Kirby Yates for, for doing the same thing. You know, um, they've really added so much depth to this bullpen that when the Braves get those guys back, um, they're just going to have an unbelievably deep bullpen. And, and Pierce has been a big part of that. And, you know, I, I, I would love it if they brought him back next year. He's a, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And, you know, it seems like he's a really good guy. It seems like he's had a lot of fun. I saw an interview with him where he was, I mean, can you imagine going from Colorado? <laughs> you're a pitcher and you're going from Colorado to play for the Braves. I mean, that's got to be, I, I don't know of a bigger swing than getting out, just getting out of Colorado alone has got to be an amazing feeling. But then moving to the best team in baseball, um, pitching as well as he's pitched since he's been over, it's got to be just an unbelievable feeling for him. So great job from Alex. They gave up basically nothing to get him, and he's been a huge piece. And, yeah, it's been it's been extremely important for the Braves because of the injuries that they've had while he's been since he's been over. Yeah, and, I mean, it's kind of reminiscent of, of Rizal Iglesias last year because uh, yeah. if I remember right, Iglesias gave up a run in his first appearance with the Braves last year and then rattled off. I don't think he gave up another one until maybe uh, maybe the rest of the regular season i know yeah, I he just won. I, yeah i think he i know he gave up some in the division series but i mean that was an unprecedented run from him you know pitching mostly well it was in a lot of it was in the eighth inning but a lot of times you know they were bringing him in you gotta you know you gotta remember they those games were so important uh down the stretch last year because they were trying to chase the mets down you know it was often a lot of times he was coming in in the sixth inning in tight spots and uh you know and, and doing the job so uh, but yeah, Pierce Johnson's been, he's been great. And, um, you know, I don't know that anybody expected him to rattle off, uh, 10, 10 straight scoreless, uh, appearances. It's weird. I was looking, he's walked three guys, uh, since he's been here. Both of them came in that Pittsburgh series. You know, that was just a, just a strange, I mean, nothing went right, um, from a pitching standpoint for the Braves and that up in Pittsburgh. But, uh, you know, other than that, he's got 13 strikeouts in 10 and a third innings and just three walks. So, uh, pretty impressive. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some injury updates. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. I think the biggest story of the week, obviously, was uh, the injury to Ozzy Albies. Um, he uh, left Sunday's game, Sunday's game in New York. It was on ESPN. He left it late in that game, what they called uh, cramping in his left hamstring. I, b- I believe it was the left one. And uh, he was still sore Monday. And then after Monday's game, uh, Brian Snicker – or after – yeah, after Monday's game, Brian Snicker uh, announced that he was going on the IL. You know, I don't – they still really haven't said too much about how serious this is. I think it's one of those situations where he was sore. Uh, they weren't going to mess around with it. Go ahead, give him the 10 days. You've got this huge lead. Nicky Lopez was playing pretty well. You know, set him down and um, and uh, let him uh, let him uh, let him get it thing that get that hamstring cleared up before, you know, before we get into September and obviously the postseason. Uh, you don't want it to be a reoccurring thing, and that's something that they've you know they've done all year. I think they've IL'd some guys when uh, maybe they didn't really need to, um, but you know they want they don't want it to be something that uh, pops back up uh, long term. And you know it was kind of a shame a, a little bit because Ozzy was swinging the bat well. I mean he had a, a heck of a series against the Mets. Uh, he's you know he's on the on the cusp of thirty homers. Uh, I think he was actually second in the National League in RBIs. Uh, behind Matt Olson, so you know you're probably looking at a 30 homer, 100 RBI season as long as he's you know as long as this isn't serious and he's back soon. But uh, you know, what do you think about uh, Albie's hitting the aisle? Yeah, it was weird because you know when they came out and said his his hamstring was cramping, you know you don't cramping you kind of always associate with being a very temporary thing. Um, you don't really think of it as a a, a multi day or, or even an IL level injury. But like you said. He got a 12 game lead in the division you, you know the Braves are still playing for the number one overall seed so they're you know they're still trying to win games don't get me wrong but you know uh, Ozzy being healthy in October is so much more important than Ozzy being healthy in the last two weeks of August so um yeah I think it's that's probably all it was was you know if 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 this was last year and the Braves needed to win every single game in the regular season to win the division, then I don't know if he goes on the IL. I, you know, they might try to live with it for a couple of days and, you know, bring up Grissom and tem- temporarily kind of play with a man short and see if they can get it fixed before having to do the IL. But when you got a 12 game lead and, and you, even in the, for the number one seed, you've got like a five game lead, then, you know, you can be much more conservative and you can, you know, probably overall be smarter with, with how you manage injuries. So I think that's all that was. I think he'll, I think he's probably ready to go now if we're being honest and they're just giving him extra time and that's exactly what they should do. And, you know, we're going to get into it here in a second, but it it has led to a very fascinating situation in my opinion, because, you know, of who the Braves brought up and who they're playing. But yeah, just for on Ozzy's side of it, um, I think this is purely you know, an abundance of caution is probably the best way to say it. And that's exactly what they should do. And, and just get, you know, have him back for September so he can get kind of his feet under him again, get going again. He's been a monster in the second. He's got like a 135, 140 WRC plus in the second half. He's got like a 170 in August. I mean, he's been a monster. He's been on fire. Um, he, like you said, he was red hot in that Met series. And, you know, he he's a big part of the team, obviously, a big part of the offense. So, Yep, get him right, and then get him back in September, and then get him ready for for the postseason. Yeah, you hinted at it right there, but when he went on the IL, they recalled Bond Grissom. You know, from Gwinnett, and I, I you know, I'm guilty of it, and uh, I know I saw a few other people too. I just thought when Grissom came up, you know, they were going to play him. 
that he would uh, uh, be the starting second baseman and uh, because they wouldn't want him sitting. Uh, but I thought the, the comments were uh, from Brian Snicker were pretty interesting because he was asked about it. Nicky Lopez obviously started uh, has started every game since Albies went on the uh, on the IL. I don't want to bury the lead here, but you know, Snit said something to the effect that you know Grissom's had a full season's worth of at bats at Gwinnett. You know, so they're not they're not as concerned about it now. Um, you know, I thought that was interesting. Nicky Lopez had an unbelievable game in the first. Uh, I think it was the first game Monday uh, against the Yankees. Had another three hit game. Um, he's seven for seventeen since joining uh, joining the Braves. I mean, it's a great story uh, as far as it goes, and he's fun. I mean, he's a great defender, runs the base as well. You know, so uh, has historically been light with the bat, but he had one huge season in Kansas City. You know, where he he put up good numbers. But uh, you know, I know you're you're kind of I know you've had some um, you've had some interesting tweets uh, or some significant tweets about uh, the Grissom uh, and uh, Lopez situation. So, you know, what do you what do you think uh, when Grissom came up? Did you think he was going to be the second base? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody did. I mean, Bowman was tweeting it. Uh, we were tweeting it. You know, you don't. Basically, the sentiment was you don't call up Von Grissom to sit him on the bench, right? And that's logical. That makes sense. Um, and then literally, I don't know, an hour later, when I guess when the clubhouse opened and, and Snit got to talk about it, one of the very first things he said was, no, Vaughn's had a full season of at-bats in Gwinnett, and so we're not worried about getting him playing time. We're not worried about getting him at-bats. We're not worried if he has to sit. And when you add that into the equation, then it gets very interesting because now when you subtract the need to play him and you're just making a value judgment on who's the better player, who gives you a better chance to win, the Braves have arrived, at least for now, at the idea that Nicky Lopez and his plus defense gives them a better chance to, to play well or win than, you know, whatever parts of the game Vaughn Grissom brings. And, and for most people, that's a better bat. And I would agree that he has a better bat than Nicky Lopez. Um, I have questions about Vaughn Grissom's bat overall. Um, and we'll, that's probably a, a subject for another time. But it is fascinating to me that as we sit here today, with Vaughn Grissom just destroying AAA, I mean, he's had an amazing year at AAA. He's got like a 135 WRC+. All reports are his defense has been very, very much improved at short, you know, He's he's still only 22, maybe 23 now. He's still very young, still very much, you know, kind of a young player, a young, uh, he's not technically a prospect anymore because he's got too much service time built up, but for all intents and purposes, he's a prospect. And despite all that, the Braves still think light hitting Nicky Lopez is, is the better choice. And that's interesting to me because, you know, we won't know until the off season, but what does it say about Von Grissom's future? on the team and in the organization, if there's an opening at second base, second base is probably the most natural position for, for Vaughn because, you know, he's always had, he's always going to struggle with the range at shortstop. He's not a natural outfielder. Second base just makes the most sense. And the Braves have an opening at second and they're still not playing him there. Even with him on the roster, they're still not playing him there. And, you know, that's fascinating to me because I, I don't, if you're not going to play him now at, what's a scenario where Von Grissom's going to play, you know, and they have, they've shown, you know, everybody keeps saying, give him a left field glove, put him out in the left. If they wanted to do that, they would have done that by now. They would have done it in the minors. They haven't even done it in the minors. They have zero interest in putting Von Grissom in left field. I know that's what everybody says, but like at some point the proof is in the pudding of what they're doing and they're not doing that. And so if they, they're not doing it now, 
I don't know why they would start doing it, you know, just out of the blue. So you add it all together, like, what does that mean for Von Grissom for, like, the future? Like, is he just trade bait in the offseason? A lot of people thought he would get traded at the trade deadline. There weren't a lot of great pieces out there that were kind of worth a guy like Von Grissom, so I'm not surprised that he stayed. But, you know, the offseason might be a different story where a lot more people are, are open for business. And so, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a great sign for Vaughn that they're they're going with Nicky Lopez. I think that's, I'm not saying writing on the wall, but, like, it's clear that, you know, they have reservations about playing Vaughn. And, you know, he's a really good player, and they called him up. They want him on the team, and he still might be on the playoff roster. And I know you said you think you you think he'll be on the playoff roster. Um, and there's a very good chance he will be. But it's just fascinating to me that he's not playing right now. And, and what that says about his future with the team, maybe I'm I'm reading too much into it. But, you know, I've always thought there's a chance he's going to get traded because the Braves already have second base and third base kind of locked up for a while. But, you know, after him basically being benched for Nicky Lopez, I mean, I kind of, it's, it's even more so. Um, so I don't, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Did you have an opinion? Do you think, do you think this matters at all? Do you think I'm just reading too much into this? No, I mean, I think everything you said is right, but I think I kind of had those same feeling, feelings before this, before this happened. You know, I've, yeah. I've listened, I heard, I listened to a podcast, uh, with some national guys earlier, uh, this week and they kind of talked about it. I think they were under the same impression that Grissom was going to come up and play, but I thought what they said was good. And you know, those like teams leave guys at shortstop to help incre- increase that, uh, trade value. And, yeah. um, you know, and I think there's some merit to that. And I think also, you know, there's a, I mean, I, somebody asked me the other day and I thought it was a great question, but I mean, could, you know, could Von Gris obviously Orlando Arcia is going to be going to the spring next year, you know, pretty much for that shortstop job. But, you know, could Von Grissom go in and compete with him? Possibly if he's still here. Uh, I know uh, Garrett Spain, our minor league editor, has talked about, you know, he's, he's, he looks better defensively at shortstop. It was always strange to me because, you know, I watched what spring training games we could watch. Obviously, I wasn't in Florida, um, but I didn't think he looked that bad. And then when he got to Atlanta, he looked like a different guy. You know, I mean, he yeah. he really struggled in that stretch, and I think he was pressing a lot too. But you know, at the same time, the the range was was really exposed, and um, you know, and I think RC has just got that feel for it. You know, and obviously, you know, I was I was backing Grissom early on, and uh, didn't think that uh, you know didn't think they needed to go the RC route. Obviously, I was wrong about it, but. The left field stuff is is interesting because I mean you get that every time Eddie Rosario has an O for ten streak you start getting those tweets or Marcelo Zuna has a O for ten streak you you start getting those tweets you know why not just put Grissom at DH why not just put Grissom in left field you know and I think you know that's I, that's always my replies uh, you know he hasn't played left field an inning in left field in the outfield period ever you know and not they're e- not not even in the minor not even no. in the minors and. Um, you know, I do wonder if they get through this season, if we hear he's going to work in the outfield during the offseason, he's going to get some outfield time when he comes to spring. But I also think, you know, there's a very real chance that when Alex was talking about the trade deadline and, you know, he was talking about that they, you know, they had the prospects to get guys. They were, you know, the bar was raised on a starter. They didn't want a rental. They were looking for somebody that could come in here and help for two or three years. I'm sure there was a lot of teams out there that were interested in Vaughn Grissom, but the Braves weren't going to give him up unless it was for, 
they were going to get back more than one year control. Probably, probably would have wanted more than two years control, honestly. Um, yeah. So I think his name's going to be out there in the off season, just because you know you've got Ar- Ar- Arceus taking this job, grabbed it with two hands. You know they signed him to an extension. There's probably questions to whether Grissom could really fit at shortstop anyway. So I mean, to me, he's either going to have they're going to have to switch him to a position and say you know it's going to have to be the outfield almost here in this situation, and um, or. I feel like they're going to probably move him at the seat because he's got nothing left to prove in AAA. I mean, you know, he's, he's he's improved the defense. He's been red hot in the second half down the stretch. I mean, he's got 11, almost a 12% walk rate, 14% strikeout rate down there. You know, the power's been a little bit slow to come, but it's starting to come uh, lately. And, uh, you know, and I think that's a good sign. And then, I mean, he's been a double machine down there. He's only got six homers, but he's got over 30 doubles. So, you know, they're just not. There's just not much incentive for him to be still be at Gwinnett next year. So you know, I kind of question that. I kind of question that fit. Now I do wonder. You know, everybody. I mean, Nicky Lopez's defense, and you got to remember too. Last year, Vaughn lost that job at the end of last season when uh, Orlando Arcia came back because of uh, Arcia's defensive ability. You know, yep. so I mean, it's not unprecedented. Grissom came up in the lineup, you know, I mean, he just, you know, he took off when he got up there uh, offensively and he played good enough defense. But when he stopped hitting and, uh, you know, all of a sudden maybe that job was a little bit more in jeopardy uh, after Arcia got back. So, you know, I do wonder, I do wonder if, if Nicky Lopez stops hitting, are we going to see Grissom out there a little bit? I don't think they would just come up here and just bury him. You know, I still think, you know, he's going to – maybe it'll be good for him to work with the major league coaches now. But, you know, again, it looks like Lopez is going to be the starter. And then, uh, you know, and I don't expect Ozzy to be out long. So, you know, it may only be a week or so that Grissom's up here anyway. And that's where I put my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. Vaughn's had such a good year in AAA. If you don't play him in the majors and teams are looking to trade for him in the offseason, then – you know, the biggest sample they're going to look at is what happened in the minors because that's obviously the biggest sample he's got. And if you don't play him in the majors, then you don't risk exposing him and, and having him play poorly. And then his trade value maybe tanks a little bit because he's not playing as well at the majors again like he did early in the season. You know, I, I don't know if there's anything to I don't I don't know if they, they're trying to protect against him, you know, looking too bad in the, in the majors to try to hold on to some of that trade value that he's built up in the minors all year and because Ozzy's going to be back pretty soon, you could probably just live with Nikki at second. I mean, it's it, you know from from all from all I've heard, I, I don't think Ozzy. I don't think it's going to be an extended stay on the IL. This should be you know like you said, less than two weeks. So, you know, if you got to live with Nikki Lopez for two weeks and just bat him ninth, then you you could probably do that. So I do wonder. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation because you know we were saying. We were saying on our Slack, we are saying on Twitter, like, if you just want some guy to come up and ride the bench and watch Nicky Lopez play, you know, call up Shoemake. And then that day later, they called up Luke Williams anyways. You know, it's just a, it's a weird, I don't know, it's a weird thing. I wasn't expecting it. I was fully expecting Grissom to play, Nicky to sit. And, you know, I, I actually preferred the way they did it. I, I prefer Nicky Lopez playing. I think his defense, his speed, his base running, I think all that's more valuable than you know, a little bit more offense. And I, and I questioned Von Grissom's offense to begin with, but 
Um, yeah, it, it was just a it's a it's a very fascinating situation. Not so much for what's happening on the field because Isaac's going to be back pretty soon, but more so for what it means for Vaughn long term and where the where the team views him, and you know what's his next step because. Yeah, it's tough to see a path for him on this franchise in this organization, and you know, you have a hard time convincing me that his most valuable, the 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 most value they could get out of him, is probably in a trade at this point. And I think that's where we're at. And the fact that he's not playing right now is only fueling that even more. I could be dead wrong. They could just be preparing him for another shot at shortstop next spring. I wouldn't be surprised at all, like you were just saying, um, but. Yeah, it's it's definitely piqued my interest. Yeah, and I mean, just to wrap this up, I, I'll tell you one thought that I had. Um, you know, I, it was back in 2020, honestly, and I don't remember who got hurt that that caused this to happen. But you know, Christian Pache got got called up, and you know, I thought, I think everybody thought, hey, you know, he's up, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get a shot here, and uh, you know, he uh, he was up for, I think three or four you know he was uh, he played in two games he might have been up for a week they got a guy back and they sent him straight down you know and and snit was asked about it and he was like well he was the only outfielder we had on the 40-man roster so i just do i do sometimes wonder if you know this was just one of those situations where vaughn was the next guy you know he was the next guy up if if somebody got hurt you know and uh and everything i mean of course pache ended up playing in the postseason that year uh when adam duvall got hurt so but you know uh that was i just i thought about that situation you know when he was talking about the the full season of at bats for grissom and uh you know and i'm thinking well you know was he just uh was he the next guy you know is he you know it could have been shoemate could have been lucas williams we're going to talk about him in a minute but you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm like you. It's it's a little. It was a little surprising to me. Um, but I do think you know that I think they they're pretty high on Nicky Lopez, and I mean he's got yeah. he's not giving them any reason not to be high on Nicky Lopez. I mean his defense has looked solid. He's looked you know he's looked natural. He's played one game at, at short. He's played you know the rest at second base, but he's looked natural at both positions. And um, you know I, I'm really intrigued with him long term. I think he's going to be you know that's something we'll I'm sure we'll talk about in this off season going forward. The uh, other big news this week on the injury front: uh, Kyle Wright's in Florida uh, has been facing hitters throwing off the mound. You know there's still there's still been uh, no clear timetable for anything um but i would assume that a rehab assignment's going to start soon you know i've had a lot of people ask me about you know the possibility of him pitching out of the bullpen and i think snit got asked this the other night and snit just gave a non-answer because obviously you don't know what the situation is going to look like when kyle's ready to come back but i don't think it's going to be i don't think he's going to pitch out of the bullpen i think he's going you know i think there's a chance he could be in the bullpen in the postseason but I think when they bring him back, they're going to try to get him stretched out to start, and uh, you know, provided that he's healthy and uh, and everything. But where you where you kind of see Kyle Wright now? I mean, if you know, if he doesn't go the rehab assignment soon, then you know, there's a chance that you know he's not going to have as much time to build up as as what I thought. You know, I still think you know I still think he could be back. Um, you know, mid September, um, but you know it's going to be going to really be uh, interesting to see how he, uh, you know how that how things go from here. Yeah, I mean the runway is getting shorter and shorter as we as every day, you know, checks off the calendar. Like we're uh, what's today? August sixteenth, August seventeenth. I don't even know what today. August seventeenth. So we've got about six weeks 
till the end of the season, and he hasn't started. He hasn't started facing. Uh, he hasn't started facing live hitters yet. Is yeah, that right? no, he's he's facing hitters, but he hasn't he hasn't started a rehab assignment. So he's not oh, he okay. he's not pitching in uh, competitive games, but he's down there in sim, pitching sim games at, at Florida. So you figure he's going to get at least four to five rehab starts, right? Yeah. Like that would be the logical. So let's say four to five, let's say five, just for the sake of argument. We got to space them out, obviously. You got to have, you know, you got five days. So that's, you know, that's almost four weeks right there. Um, and so if you got six weeks left in the season, that means he could, he could be back for two weeks. You know, you're looking at the second half of September, you know, the Braves probably have everything locked up they want to have locked up by then, so you could definitely get him starts. But is that enough time to properly evaluate? You know, if he comes out and he throws, you know, four innings, looks average in the first one, and then five innings looks out, you know, is that enough to evaluate? Are you ready to give him a postseason start, you know, off of that, off of that type of evaluation? That's going to be fascinating. And that's if everything goes right. That's a, That's if there's not another setback and he starts – working towards a rehab game or a rehab assignment like tomorrow. Like he's got to get these going quickly because if he's going to, if he's going to start in the postseason now, like you just said, there is this question of, you know, is it better instead of trying to build them all the way back up to a starter? You know, if you're only trying to build them back up to a reliever, well, that's obviously a much lower threshold. So you don't have to have nearly as much runway, you know, that's a that's a prop plane taken off versus a 747 taken off. So, you know, you can you can do that much more manageably. So I, I get the question. It's a valid question. And we're and it's valid because I think I think his build up and his return has moved a lot slower than people thought. I think probably even slower than the Braves thought. Um, and so, yeah, we're running out of time. I mean, we're running out of runway real quick here. So. You know, if he's not doing rehab starts by next week, then you're kind of forced to either give him a bullpen roll or just count him out for all of 2023, including the postseason, right? Like those are kind of the options on the table. If he doesn't get going on a rehab assignment very soon, you're just going to run out of days. Um, so, I'm, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because, you know, the thought has always been he he would be back this season and he would be back in the regular season in time to kind of get ready for the postseason. And that is very, you know, that is rapidly, that window is rapidly closing. So, um, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Either in the next week or so we're going to get the, you know, the report that he's now out on rehab assignment or our expectations for what he's going to be able to provide this season should probably start to pretty drastically decrease yeah and there's also the possibility um you know the the playoff schedule's out and uh my good friend eric steven kind of broke down the division series but the the way they've done it this year you can get away with three just three starters so yeah. you know i mean if kyle does get a little bit of a late start i'm sure they're gonna have the training side at gwinnett you know fired up like they do they've done the last few post seasons you know there's a chance he's not on the division series roster but would be in the mix if the Braves advanced, um, you know. So I think how that, wild, how how wild would that be? Like his first start of the year. Yeah, not else? they probably they you know I don't maybe maybe he comes back at the end. I don't know that they would want to do that. But you got to remember, yeah. I mean, the precedent's there. Remember the mm-hmm. World Series. I mean, he made two appearances. He's done it. He made two appearances that year. Tucker Davidson, you know, he pitched early in the season and was on the IL the rest of the year, and then ended up in the World Series. 
Um, yep, so, you know, they've done it. Um, but, you know, I think it's also situated, you know, if Kyle gets back that last week or so, and, you know, it's pretty clear that he's not going to, you know, he's not going to make the division series roster. He could just keep pitching, you know, and, and, yeah. and then would be a possibility if they if they advance. So, you know, that's a pretty good thing. And, I mean, maybe he comes back. He's a, a three-inning guy. You know, I mean, if you, you get in a situation where you need to piggyback him with somebody, somebody gets knocked out early, you know, he could save – he could save uh, – he could he he could play a role in the postseason is kind of the way I'm looking at. It. If he's healthy, I mean, if he has a setback, he's not going to pitch at all. You know, that's yeah. I mean, if it, when he starts to ramp up to, you know, a rehab assignment, I mean, if he he has any setback whatsoever, he's gonna they're not gonna he's not gonna be a factor. But um, you know, I do think you're right. I think you know, if we're not hearing about him on a rehab assignment uh, sometime next week, then you know, you're gonna have to really kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit. All right, rapid fire because we're running late here today. Um, <laughs> Jesse Chavez, this video of him throwing throwing to Von Grissom the other day. Grissom wasn't swinging, uh, but, you know, he was on the mound, uh, the main mound at, at Truist Park. That's good. Still, uh, I think Snit, uh, Snit was quoted as saying, you know, he's still still having a little bit of a, an issue with that leg running, you know, which is important if he has to field his position or whatever. But, you know, he's still – there's no timetable, but he still appears to be progressing – and one reason I don't think that's too significant is, uh, you know, Dylan Lee is still at Gwinnett. Uh, you and I talked about him last week. We kind of thought he might get called up for the series in New York. They don't have a spot for him. And, um, you know, I think they're kind of waiting on it to work itself out. But, you know, the way they handle this bullpen is going to be fascinating because none of the guys down there have any options. And they've all been really good of late. So, you know, you've – when you start to add uh, Chavez and, and Dylan Lee back to the mix, and you're going to do that at some point, it's going to be interesting to see uh, you know who who they have to uh, cut loose. Yeah, I'll be honest. When I saw kind of the – it was around the same time where they talked about they were going to keep Dylan down in Gwinnett to stretch him out a little bit more. And you combine that with Kyle Wright you know, being a lot slower to come back than they thought he would be. You know, my brain starts like putting those two together. Like, I wonder if they're trying to get Dylan Lee into some sort of hybrid four inning. You know, he was a starter way back when in the minors, and he's pitched some length in you know in his career before. You know, and he's done it in the postseason as well. Like, you know, he could theoretically pitch three or four innings if you needed him to, if you build him up that way. And you know, he's obviously very talented, and you know. Colin McHugh has had an up and down season. I, you know, I don't know what they would do there, but it is interesting to me because, you know, they are building him up in the minors to, I think, be more than a one inning guy. And, you know, with, with the questions about Kyle Wright, the questions with, are they going to trust Bryce Elder in a, in a postseason series, which, you know, that's probably a whole separate conversation we can have, but yeah, Dylan Lee's a very interesting, he's a, he's very much an X factor and how they use him and how they get him up. Like you said, it's not an easy thing to get him even on the roster at this point. So, um, but you don't need five starters in the postseason, So you, you always end up carrying more relievers anyways. So, um, yeah, that'll be fascinating. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with Dylan. Yeah. And then you got to remember too, you know, uh, September 1st is rapidly approaching, but you only get two spots oh, yeah. now, you know, and that I'm not yeah. a fan of that rule. Uh, I still don't like that rule. Uh, I think it punishes uh, teams that have the depth, but at the same time, I understand why it's there. But, you know, that'll be one pitcher that the Braves will be able to add. So, you know, presumably that would be 
that would be Dylan Lee or Jesse Chavez, um, you know, on September 1st. But we'll just have to see how that how that situation turns out. Um, the same day that Ozzy Albies went on the IL, the Braves called up uh, Lucas Williams and uh, sent Forrest Wall back down to Gwinnett. I'll be honest with you. I feel like Williams, uh, as these guys get healthy, I think Williams' hold on a uh, 40-man spot is uh, probably tenuous at best. Uh, you know, he's got some major league experience. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like he's just dry, uh, sliding into that 26th roster spot that they don't use unless it's an emergency. Um, you know, Wall, I think Wall could be a factor in the postseason. Uh, I do wonder if Nicky Lopez – getting Nicky Lopez, you know, Lopez, he's probably not as fast as Wall, but he's probably fast enough. Um, I do wonder, you know, a Wall would be an option uh, for the postseason. Maybe they sent him down just because he's been sitting so long, go down there, you know, get back get back to playing every day, uh, get some reps, uh, because you're just not going to play up here, and then you'll be a, a possibility for a postseason roster. So, you know, uh, we're going to probably give it till September. But I think, you know, at that point, we're going to really – a recurring segment is going to be just kind of looking at their options for the postseason, um, you know, uh, as far as a, from a roster construction standpoint. But, you know, uh, I don't see Lucas Williams uh, – I think if Lucas Williams gets in a game, you know, it's going to be the same situation as Charlie Culberson. You know, things have things have really kind of gone, gone south because the Braves just haven't used that spot all season. I think Lucas Williams has a better chance of pitching than he does actually hitting at any point. Um, I think he's only going to come in if it's 15 to one, one way or the other. So yeah, I don't really, I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't give you like a Lucas Williams take. So um, yeah, he's a, he's the quintessential 26 man of, of a major league roster in 2023. And like you said, I think when some of these guys come back, I don't even know if he's going to be in the organization. Uh, no disrespect to him, but he's, you know, when you're on, when you're on the 40 man bubble, and the Braves got a lot of guys coming back from injury, then, you know, your name is the one that gets bandied about. All right, we're going to take one our last break, and then we're going to um, uh, preview this giant series coming up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, coming up this weekend, um, Braves, uh, the Giants come in for three games uh, starting Friday at Truist Park. Giants have had a uh, a pretty good season. I mean, quietly, everybody was talking about the Diamondbacks for a long time uh, out west. You know, it was really challenging the Dodgers. Dodgers have really taken off and and just took uh, grabbed hold of that division again. But the Giants are sixty four and fifty seven as we're recording this. They're ten games back in the NL West, but they're only two games back of the Phillies for the first wild card. So this is a possible. You know, this is a possible uh, postseason first round matchup preview this weekend. You know, I mean, the Giants are a team. You know, I know what was it two years ago they had the they won the hundred games and snapped the uh, Dodgers uh, consecutive division title streak, and then last year kind of took a step back. It was kind of you know it wasn't wasn't a real good situation. And then this time, you know, I still think if you look at their rotation, uh, you know, they've got a couple of guys at the front that are really good, and the rest of it they've just been They've been piecing this thing together all season long. So, 
you know, I think they're a fascinating club to me. You know, the Gabe Kapler's the manager. He's had a whole lot better uh, stint in San Francisco than he had in Philadelphia. Uh, they they use the platoons. Uh, you probably never see the same lineup twice in this series, uh, especially with the uh, you know Freeds in there too. So you're going to see a different, completely different look against the left-hander than you will the uh, the righties. But we're going to have uh, Alex Cobb uh, versus Spencer Strider on Friday, Logan Webb versus Yanni Chirinos on Saturday. And uh, they haven't announced yet um, for Sunday, but it looks like Alex Wood will probably see in, uh, see some time in that. He'll either start it or he might be the bulk guy in a um, bullpen, bullpen game. And Max Freed uh, will get the start for the Braves. You know, I think when we're here, I, I want to hear what you got to think about the, what you think about the Giants. But at the same time, I think we need to have this Yanni Chirinos uh, discussion before we before we sign off tonight. Yeah, um, the Giants are weird. You know, you look at their roster, they probably shouldn't be where they are in terms of in the playoffs. There's not a ton of talent on that team. You know, they had a they had a weird offseason. They looked like they were going to sign Aaron Judge, and then he went to the Yankees, and it looked like they were going to sign Correa, and then they he failed the physical, and, you know, they didn't end up really getting anybody of that level. They signed a couple of guys. They signed Hanniger and Conforto. Um, but, yeah, they always kind of piece it together. Uh, it's weird. The Braves haven't played the Giants at all this year. Um, we're in middle, late August, and they haven't played them, and now they play them two times in 10 days. Um, so, yeah, it'll be good to see them. I, 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 not having played them yet, and I haven't watched a lot of their games, I can't tell you a lot about them. I know that, you know, Logan Webb is good. Alex Cobb is good. Alex Wood has had a terrible year, and if they if they pitch him against the Braves, the Braves might score 25 runs in that game. So, um, because he's a lefty, and the Braves crush lefties, and he is not a good lefty, so... Um, I hope for his sake they don't do it. For our sake, I hope they do. Um, but, yeah, I don't really have a ton on the Giants. It'll be fun to see them. And like you said, it is a potential postseason matchup, so it's probably one that people should watch pretty intently. All right, yeah, Chirinos is uh, – just to just to wrap this thing up here, uh, Yanni Chirinos will be making his fifth start. I know a lot of people were surprised when I tweeted out the uh, uh, probables the other day. And, you know, Matsuroka's pitching on Saturday, and I think Alan Winans is scheduled to go Sunday. You know, everybody obviously uh, draws conclusions there. But I don't think the Braves would have announced Chirinos if they weren't going to pitch him. So – but, you know, at the same time, it's not been pretty. Um, you know, he's 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 got an ERA over nine. He's allowed 19 runs in 18 and a third innings. Uh, he, uh, his FIP's a little bit better, but it's still not great. It's 5.28. And uh, XFIP, though, is actually at 3.79, um, you know, without diving deep into the into the numbers here. You know, I don't get it. I don't really understand it other than they've got a 12-and-a-half game league, and if they think they can unlock something with Chirinos, uh, you know, you could go there. I thought it was peculiar that Winans uh, got the call instead of Soroka the other day. Um, even though Winans looked really, really good, and he was uh, good enough that I was intrigued. Uh, you know, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing him again, honestly. You know, down the stretch, at some point. But uh, you know, I don't think this is as much about Chirinos for me as it is for Soroka. Uh, you know, at this point, I'm looking at it like, you know, if if now's not the time for Mike Soroka, you know, when is it going to be time for Mike Soroka at this point? So. You know, I just think it's uh, – I thought it was interesting. Uh, but it looks like Chirinos is going to get at least at least one more start this weekend. I don't really understand it. Um, you know, I thought for sure after that Mets game where he, you know – and listen, I, I do want to say this. You know, Chirinos, the first time through the order is, is solid. Like he's got – he's like a three-year-a guy. 
I keep calling it as Chirinos. I, I want to say his name right. Gianni Chirinos. Um, I think I always say it wrong. Um, but, you know, he's like a 3 ERA guy the first time through. He's like a 4 ERA guy the second time through. And he's like a 7 ERA guy the third time through. And, you know, if if Snit pulls him in the fifth inning before the third time through in the Mets game, he's fine. Like, he would have given up, I think, one earned run. I think they scored six runs in that f- the third time through the lineup. All like, you know, all went on uh, Trinos' line. I don't, I don't understand the combination of consistently using him and then consistently misusing him. Like, if you're going to pitch him, if you want to pitch him, then pitch him the way he should be pitched. Pitch him as a two-times-through-the-order max guy. Like, the most, he will never face a, a, the, a, a hitter a third time in a game. Like, that should be the mandate. If he's going to pitch, then pitch him correctly. Like, use him the way he's very clearly supposed to be used, which is one time through the order, Yes, two times through the order, maybe. Three times through the order, absolutely not. Don't do that. And, you know, I'm fine with it if they do that. But if you're going to pitch him and you're going to treat him like he's Max Freed and you're going to give him five, six innings every time out just to get lit up in the fifth and sixth, then, yeah, I don't get it. You know, pitch Alan Winans, pitch Michael Soroka. Those guys have, you know, more upside, you know, especially Soroka. And Winans looks so good, I don't really understand why he's not getting any more... You know, it seems like Trinos is getting the longest leash of any of these guys and, and hasn't looked any better than any of them. So it is weird. I don't really understand. And I, again, I'm fine if they pitch him, but let's let's pitch him let's pitch him to his strengths, which is one time to the order, maybe two times to the order, and then that's it. And then you could probably live with it. Um, but if you know, if Snit's gonna continue to try to get six five, six innings out of him, then yeah, I would much rather see somebody else because it's it's gone poorly just about every time he, he gets to that third time the only theory that i have and i don't know if this is you know i'm obviously I, nobody knows other than the inner circle but the only theory i have is is like just like you pointed out you know first time through the order he's fine second time through the order he's been fine if they're looking at him as a potential postseason option too uh you know in case somebody gets hurt I mean you never know what's going to happen we saw that last year and it's just an all year they've been really protective of their depth and uh you know right now their bullpen's locked um you know they've got uh, one guy ready to come back that they don't have a spot for and it could be the same situation with Chirinos and uh Chirinos and uh because I've said his name wrong every time too but I do think if um you know, and I think he's got he does have an option left, but I think he has to he has to uh, agree to go down, and that may be a non-starter. And you know, and I mean, he's probably got enough of a track record uh, before his injury that you know somebody will grab him. You know, if you expose him to waivers, so um, you know, I, I, maybe that's it. Maybe they're trying to just hey, we can get September. Uh, you know, he he slides as a long reliever, uh, maybe uh, at some point, and we bring a starter in. I mean, as we just mentioned a few minutes ago, I mean, they're going to have to make some moves and they're going to have to cut bait with some people and they're going to have to decide who those are going to be at some point. But, you know, at the same time, um, I just, I'm just sitting there looking at Soroka. I don't know. I didn't think the plan was for him to pitch out at Gwinnett every day, uh, every all season long. And, you know, that's basically what's happened. Um, maybe that was, you know, they just wanted him to get used to being a regular starter again. I don't know. You know, it would have to, it would be, it would be really interesting to see, but you know, other, I mean, as far as this goes, I mean, if he, if he struggles again Saturday 
it's just I mean, I know they're twelve games up. I guess they can they can afford to give him as much rope as they want want to, but at the same time, you know, it's just I, I don't know. I, I don't I agree with you. I think if they're gonna use him like a traditional starter, then this is gonna this is what the results you're gonna get. Uh if they wanna if they wanna go and stick to the numbers and use him in that type of role, then you know, he he perhaps can be successful. Yeah. And I think you made a good point. I think there is a very real possibility that they see him as a postseason weapon who can go get three innings. You know, if one of your starters goes out early, he's a guy you could bring in for a full time through the order, you know, hopefully two or three innings and bridge to the back end of your bullpen because he is good at that. Like he's good. You know, if he's only if he's only got to face nine batters, if you've only got if he's only got to get nine outs, then, you know, the 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 hitters haven't seen him too many times and, and he, his stuff still plays. So that's a good point. I hadn't actually thought about that. So that could very well be it. And they're just trying to get him to September where they can, you know, get another starter in here and, and, you know, push him back to the bullpen. And we've said all, I mean, we said it all year, but the Braves just don't have, they have so their, their bullpen is so rigid because they, they just, none of their guys have options and they can't without putting somebody in the IL, they just can't move guys around the way they want to. So, um, you know, it's really kind of, it's tied Alex's hands in terms of moves he's wanted to make, I'm sure. Um, and I think this is probably another example of that, but yeah, it's been weird. And, you know, especially as good as Alan Winans has looked, um, both times on the road, um, he's just looked really strong and confident and, you know, uh, an ability to get guys out and get swings and misses, which is all good stuff. So I would love to see a little bit more of him. And I, again, I'm fine with seeing more of Torino's. I just, if we're going to do that. Like, let's just, let's use him properly where we're not, you know, asking him to do things that he's has very clearly shown he's not able to do. Like, let's put guys in a position where they can succeed by, you know, allowing them to do what they're good at. And, and if they do that, then I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the move, but yeah, it's been weird. It will be interesting to see if, if things change now that they're out of that stretch of, what was it, 14 games in 13 days or 15 games yeah. in 14 days? Because I think that had that plays a part too. I mean, because the bullpen did get gassed there. It's the first part of that road trip. You know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I mean, Snit even said it the day Colin McHugh, I think, he, what did he do, come back out for a third inning? It was, yeah. it was Snit basically yeah. said, you know, he was the next man up. He hadn't pitched in two days. So, you know, it, it was going to do. So, you know, the, things could change now that they're starting to get back into a they don't have a ton of off days coming up, but you know, they've got some, they don't have that long stretch of, uh, of, uh, games right now. So, uh, but do have a big road trip coming up in the next week or so. Like you said, going to San Francisco, I think that's going to, I think that wraps us up. I mean, you got anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? No, we've been talking for over an hour. So that's one of our longest episodes yet, but yeah, it's, uh, um, it's obviously a really exciting time. Uh, you know, we're getting down to we know who's going to be in the playoffs and who's not. We've got some exciting races in the National League. It's all kind of jumbled up, jumbled mess at the moment. But, yeah, a lot of stuff coming up. Make sure you're tuned in the site, tuned into the podcast network. We've got this show. We've got the main show with Brad and Scott. And we've got the Daily Hammer with, with Sean that comes out every few days. So, yeah, come check out the site. Come check out the podcast. And we appreciate it as always. And we'll talk to you guys next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. 
It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.